on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey y'all, welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I'm your host, Caroline Hobby, and I am so excited that you're here with me. This is my first podcast and my first episode. Yay! Before I get into the interview, I want to give you a quick background on who I am. I am a Texas native, born and raised, moved to Nashville when I was 19 to become a country music star. I got hooked up with two awesome girls, Jennifer Wayne and Taylor Lynn, and we formed a trio called Stealing Angels. I was in that trio for about seven years. We toured the country on a tour bus. We had two songs in the top 50 on the charts, on the country charts. And we even got to play Madison Square Garden, open up for Tim McGraw, Rascal Flatts, Luke Bryan, Miranda Lambert. It was such a wild ride. It eventually fell apart, which was really sad and disheartening and kind of broke my heart a little bit. But just like when one thing falls apart, another thing comes together. And Jen and I got asked to do The Amazing Race which is a reality show which takes you around the world. It was so fun and such an incredible experience. We got fourth place on season 22. And then if that wasn't cool enough just to race once, we got asked back to race again on the all-star season. And we ended up coming in second place. We lost the whole race by four seconds. Those were really expensive seconds because you win a million dollars if you win. But the experience was priceless because of Amazing Race. We got to go to like 20 different countries, which was just crazy. And when I finished that, when I finished the second time racing on Amazing Race, I came back to Nashville and I was like, what do I really love? And I realized I love getting to know people and I love getting to know people's stories and figuring out their drive and how people stay inspired because this industry, this entertainment industry is crazy and it's it can break your heart and it can tear you down and you have to really have a vision and you have to have a focus and you have to have a drive and it's not for the weak for sure it's not for the faint of heart and so I definitely was curious about how people stay motivated and I've collected a ton of interesting friends after living in Nashville for over 10 years and I'm like you know what I'm going to interview these people and I'm going to get to know what's going on in their brains and see why they wake up every morning and get hyper about their career and get hyper about their dreams so that is why Hyper Caroline Hobby was born. And I hope that you enjoy hearing from all these incredible people because it has been a blast so far getting to talk to some of the coolest people I know in Nashville. The first person that we're interviewing is Darius Rucker. What? He's from Hootie and the Blowfish. He sold 30 million albums with Hootie and the Blowfish. And if that wasn't crazy enough and cool enough, he then started all the way back over in country music and climbed his way back from the just the starting ground all the way to the top of the charts in country music. He didn't take any freebies. He didn't come in as a superstar. He started off like any other newbie in country music and worked his way all the way up to the top. And his story is incredible. It's inspiring. He's probably one of the most hardworking, driven men I've ever met. He's hilarious. And it was a super big privilege to get to interview him. So please welcome Darius Rucker to Hyper Caroline Hobby. Hi, Darius Rucker. How are you? I'm fabulous. That's good. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you enjoying the snow? I'm not a big snow guy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. 
Ah, I know. Well, you don't you don't live in Nashville, do you? No, I don't live in Nashville. I live in Charleston. We never get snow. So you know, when I, I came here yesterday, and it was it's crazy. I hadn't stopped since I woke up. I think you f- you brought it with you because yeah, it I started did. yesterday. I you know well sorry you know I got to bring something. When I come. <laughs> you don't want to come to Nashville empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you started off, and I was like in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, is when this whole thing started for you. Mm-hmm. I was a. Uh, Sophomore in college and met this guy who uh, was a guitar player and he uh, asked me if he heard me singing in the, in the shower. shower. Yeah, he heard me singing a Billy Joel song. In do the you shower. always sing in the shower? I used to. I don't. I don't think I do much anymore. But I used to all the time. Yeah, like because this was like we had community showers. You know, it wasn't like like you know now they have all these new these great showers in these dorms. But ours was just four six shower heads. In, in one open room? In one open room. Yeah, and I, and I was showering in the afternoon, and no one was in there, and I'm singing. And I walk out, and he goes, man, was that you? I was like, yeah. He's like, wow, you know, I play guitar. And that night I said, uh, really? I was like, you know, he said, why don't you come out later to see if we know any of the same songs? And I did, and been a band ever since. Did you have intentions to be a singer? Always wanted to be. That's all I ever wanted. Really? Since I was four, that's all I ever wanted to be. Really? Yeah, you know, but you get older, and you realize that's never going to happen, and you've got to get a real job. Were and you going to do the real job thing? Yeah, I, was, I, wanted, to, I wanted to work in you know uh, sports, something in sports, either radio or television or something. We have a great voice for it, like a speaking <sighs> voice. Yeah, I still, I still want to have a sports talk show someday. You should have a sports talk show. I want to do show. that someday. When What's I retire, your sport? When I, retire. I, like, I like all you know the three majors we have here, but football, I live for it. Uh, it's Sometimes it's really why I get out of bed in, <laughs> in the morning is because football's on that day. Were you stoked about the Super Bowl? Uh, I wish it had been a better game. I was, uh, I was, I'm always stoked about Super Bowl because it's the, it's the championship of my favorite league. Mm-hmm. But then around two minutes left in the fourth quarter, I get really sad because I realize there's no more football till like September, August. Yeah, you know, and and that's always a sad time for me. It, it, oh, I'm sorry. I, don't, I barely even knew who was playing in the Super Bowl. Only one team really played, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to start off with some rapid fire. Okay, ready. Are you a morning or a night person? Morning. What? I become. I used to be a night person, but in my. Uh, but you can hang. I can hang, but I get up. I'm up every morning at six six thirty, no and matter what I do. And I play golf or you know getting the kids to school or whatever. But I'm a I'm a morning person. So you're just not really a sleep person. Not lately. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need eight. That's for sure. You don't need eight. No. What can you function on? I'm going on about. I'm seriously going on about nine hours in the last four days right now. So. Does yeah. that make you like irritable? I don't think so. You're always so pleasant. I try to be. When I get tired, I get irritable. Not you. Yeah, I, yeah. When I get tired, I just get uh, I get quiet when I get tired. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So morning. If you had to be the pet cat to any celebrity, who would it be, and why? Um, if I had to be a cat for any celebrity, <laughs> I would be a cat for uh, for Paul McCartney. Okay. Why? So I can hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> is he your number one? Oh, he's my bucket. He's he's one of the few things on my bucket list is to sit and have a beer with Paul. He's my absolute. Al Green's my absolute idol. Al's, Al Green's the guy who made me want to sing. Really? You know, but you know, I've been lucky, fortunate enough to to actually to get to hang out with Al a couple times. So How was, was that? Great. He's just a, he's a great human being. And did he live up to all the yes. hope you had? Absolutely. He was great to me and nice, and and it was awesome. And uh, but you know, Paul's a close second. I just I you know, I love Paul McCartney. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you'd be his cat. Sit in his lap, let him pet your head. He can stroke me. I'm rubbing up against his leg. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Um, Any tattoos or piercings? I got three tattoos. Okay. Two tattoos. I got two. I'm getting a third one, but I got two. What are you going to get? I want to find somebody to, and I know it's going to sound cheesy, but in Elvis writing, which is from a 
from the Lord of the Rings, I want my three kids' names. I love that. Yeah. Where do you want to put it? Probably on my arm. And do you have another one on your arm? I got uh, a. F- I thought it was a peace flag, and uh, I, this is flag I have on my arm. It's red, gold, and green, and uh, and in the corner where the stars are, I put a peace mm-hmm. sign. And uh, one day I get out of the shower, and my wife goes, "Dave, honey, I thought you said you got the." Uh, Peace flag. I said, Dad. She says, No, you didn't. You got the Mercedes Benz flag. <laughs> and I looked at it and realized they didn't put the line down the middle. So I do have the Mercedes Benz for like. Do you drive a Mercedes? She does. So it all. Okay. <laughs> you might as well get free Mercedes if you put I it should. on your arm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Oh, my greatest achievement are my kids. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially you know Carrie, who's in college now. I'm so proud of her. She, she struggled through a lot of hard times in, in school, and now she's blossoming into such a wonderful, beautiful human being in college and just enjoying herself. And my other, you know, Danny and Jack are just such great kids. That they're definitely my my. That's the best thing I've ever done. Those that's three. awesome. Did you always know you wanted kids too? Oh, absolutely. Was it hard to have kids touring? Uh, it wasn't hard. I mean, it wasn't hard. It, it was hard with Carrie, to be honest with you, because. Hootie, we toured so different than country guys did. Like, I'd go for six months, and I'd go for, seriously, I'd go for a month without coming home, and then you come home, and, you know, you're home for three days. Yeah. And then you're back out for three weeks. And, you know, we don't do that in country, thank goodness. But uh, it was tough then now. It's just great. I mean, you know, I play, I tour in the summer and on the weekends, and, you know, if the kids want to go, my son's, you know, as you know, is with me the whole time. Yeah, and, he's and, so you know, cute. they come out, and they come out with me, so that that's always fun. Okay, so country touring is a little more family oh, absolutely. oriented. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so you met in the shower with mm-hmm. your band. Were they actually in the shower with you? No, I was just meeting the shower. He, uh, I came out of the bathroom and he was standing. His door just happened to be right by the shower. And I came out of the bathroom, he was standing in his door. And yeah, he, that's when he said, Yo, were you, are you singing, man? Yeah, that was me. So then y'all wrote together. All your yeah. band. Y'all are like a unit. Y'all always write together. We're band, yeah. We, we always, uh, you know. We we do pretty much everything together, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And in nineteen was it nineteen ninety four? Here comes Cracked Review. Yeah. Did you see that coming? No, still hmm. don't believe it. Sixteen million albums. I still don't believe it. I mean, that has to be one of the highest selling albums of all times. It, it's it's up there. We uh, you know, we had been a band for nine years, eight years, eight nine years. We had been a band before we had a record deal, and and we had seen it gone from being you know the biggest band in my dorm room. <laughs> to, to being the biggest band in our dorm, to being the biggest band in our college, then the biggest. Do you play band. at your college? Yeah, you can play frat parties all the time in the clubs and everything and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you know, then the biggest band in Columbia, then the biggest band in South Carolina, and then we were the biggest band in the Southeast that didn't have a record deal. And so we watched our careers climb. So when we got a record deal, we just thought, you know, okay, this is just another step in our career. But then all of a sudden, the David Letterman show happened, and we. We went to bed that night. We went to bed being Hootie and the Bowfish, and the, the, the next day we woke up about to be one of the biggest bands in the world. It was crazy. How did that feel? How do you handle that? Were you ready for it? Oh, I don't. I don't think we had to be. We didn't. The, we were lucky. We had four guys who were so close and so on each other, so mm-hmm. on top of each other that nobody could get a big head or get, you know. I mean, we we. I remember when uh, Dean put on a black T-shirt for the first time. I think he took five hours of us just killing him. Oh, you're a rock star now. Oh, you know, you cool black T-shirt wearing. You're goth now. Yeah. And, that, and so there was no time. And, and for us, we were on the road so much, there was no time. We we didn't see the record sales going crazy. We saw our, our, our record at number one every week in the Billboard, but we didn't see it. I mean, the money was going in the bank, and we were just on the road. All we knew was these shows were getting bigger, and this is awesome. Yeah. You know, that's all we knew, and that's that was great. So off that record, you had "Hold My Hand," "Only Want to Be with You." I gotta say, that was my theme song. <laughs> I loved that song, the best. 
Uh, Let Her Cry and Time, were those the yeah. four singles off yeah, that one? Yeah, those four singles. Huge songs. Big yeah. yeah. Big records, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, a couple of those songs were probably in, you know, the, or in the American Songbook, you know, it'll be around for a while. And, and uh, you know, I was a great feeling watching those. And, and we came along at such a perfect time. You I, did? It was timing more than, I, I don't. Do you think that's a big part yeah, of timing? The record, yeah, the record was good, but it wasn't 60 million good. Yes, it is. You know, and. No, uh, it is. You're being humble. And, uh, and you know, grunge was big and. You know, record sales were dipping, and nobody was, you know, and grunge was out, and everybody was tired of being sad and pissed off, and we came out and said, hold my hand. And yeah. the world said, okay, we'll hold your hand. So what inspired you to write that? Sony, our drummer, actually wrote that one. He wrote that one. That's, that's a good story. He, uh, he, uh, we were, we, our first drummer was leaving, and we were auditioning drummers, and Sony came by the house, and, uh, he played with us, auditioned, and then he said, I got the song I want you guys to hear, because I want to start doing the original music, and he played hold my hand. We were like, you're the drummer. <laughs> You're in. You're in, bro. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you guys go on to do five studio albums? I don't know how many we did, but I five sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After that happens, you guys go on to tour forever. Then yeah. you're like, I'm going to just pull a Houdini and go country. Um, because I'm such a badass. Like, why not just start from the bottom again? In 1989, uh, Rodney Foster came. Uh, 1990, Rodney Foster came out with his first solo record called uh, Del Rio, Texas, 1959. He's amazing. And I'll never, I'll never forget the first time I heard that record. The first time I heard that record, I said, "Man, I want to sing country someday." Because I did? thought the record was so great. And I mean, I'd been a fan growing up. I was a big Kenny Rogers guy, and you know, I li the Opry was all you know. We listened to it on the week, you know, because it was for me. It was live music, and I always wanted to hear live music. And you could find, you know, I was an AM radio guy. That's how old I am. I was an AM radio guy, just loving it. And and you like and, know all the history of the Opry too. Yeah, I do. I I, I know. <laughs> I studied some of that stuff. But uh, then I just and then we toured every year, and one day. Sony, our drummer, said, I, I just don't want to tour every year. I don't want to be a touring band like that anymore. He and got so, tired of it. Yeah, he got tired of it. And and so for us, from I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to try to make a record, country record. Was and, the rest of the band fine with it? Yeah, I mean, we weren't going to play. Okay. You know, we so were taking time off, so yeah, everybody go do whatever you want to do. And you're like, I'm still ready to do this. Yeah, I was. I had always felt, and like I would even said it to my accountant a few times, I'd, I'd always said, I don't think my career's over. You know, I don't think we're done. I don't think I'm done. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, McGee... Being the great manager they are, they got me a, a record deal with Capital. Because I say it all the time, I wouldn't have given me a record deal. Why? Because who's going to give the black lead singer of a once huge band who's now, they're still doing great, you know, they're still doing great touring business, but, you know, nobody's putting their records on the radio anymore, any new records on the radio anymore. You know, they, they've had that run. And, and why would you give the black lead singer of that band of dealing country music when there hasn't been a black man with a hit in country music in 25 years? But you, you know? said this is in my heart. I'm doing it. Yeah, I said do it. But they gave me a deal. I still, I st and I still say thank you to Mike Dungan all the time because he, he said he went into uh, the day, the night he decided to give me a deal. He went into the, his offices and he pulled his, all his VPs and his main staff in, and he, they all sat in the room and he said, I want you guys to know that I'm gonna, I think I want to sign it, Derek Trucker, and one of the guys said Hootie, and everybody in that room told him it was the worst idea he'd ever had. But it feels like a great idea. It wasn't the end, yeah. but I think on this, and I, I understood why they said, it's, it's, it's amazing, because even when I started a radio tour and stuff, I, I had guys who are now my friends really say, I thought I'd never play you, because I just didn't think my audience would accept an African-American country singer. It's crazy. Yeah. So, had you written country songs before you started the country process? <laughs> you listen, you listen to some of those Hootie records, and all those country songs are mine. 
I, I brought all those songs in, you know. Yeah. So, but when you started the country process, had you started the songwriting process for no, your album? No. So this was just like I came in and a just dream. said, let's start writing. Yeah. And did yeah. you get hooked up in the community with the writers, or oh, yeah. have you found people you love to write with? Oh, I love writing with so many other guys. You know, Rivers, Rutherford, Tim James, Ashley Gorley, you know, Chris Dubois. Uh, I'm leaving. I shouldn't have started naming names because there's there's probably 30 guys in town that could call me anytime and say, let's write, and I will make. I'll clear my schedule to go work with them because they're such great guys and great writers. So you agreed to start back at the bottom. Yeah, that was actually, that was my idea. <laughs> How? Uh, you're yeah. just like the biggest star on earth. I sold yeah. 16 million records and now you're going to start back at the bottom in country I, music yeah. actually, and have to prove yourself? I actually went into the office for my first meeting and I told them I want to do a radio tour, which shocked them. They didn't think I would because, were, you know, because of, you know, you just said they didn't think I would get in a, Car and drive around the four radio stations a day. And it's grunt work. And it's grunt work. And I said, I want to be. And I even told the guys that booked me, I said, Look, I want to be a baby man. I, want, I don't want you guys to go out and say, you know, well, he should headline or, or he should be in the middle because of who he's booked. I said, No. I said, I'll take baby man money and first. And my first tour was. Were you first to three? My first tour was. I was first. It was Dirks, then Brad. That was no my first tour. Wait. Yeah. You were first. 30 minutes. Three? 30 minutes. You did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Was but you were you I so wanted confident? To do that. You, I wanted to do I wanted Nashville to see that I wasn't coming in here as a star. I was coming in here as as the new guy. And I was gonna work my way up. I wasn't expecting them to give me anything. I was gonna earn everything I got. And where does that mentality come from? Oh growing up where I did. I grew up with nothing, you know, and I don't want anybody to give me anything. Because when you work for it it's it's a lot better. So you wanted to prove yourself. Oh yeah. I wanted country music to know that first I wanted to know that this wasn't a one off and I wasn't coming in just to carpet bag and have a couple of hits and go back to pop and you know, I wanted to come here and be part of country music. And so I felt the way to do that was to start from the bottom. I mean, go in the bottom and, and humble yourself and and lose money because I wasn't gonna fire from fire my crew. Yeah. You know, I was gonna keep the same crew, so I was gonna have to lose money to do this. But it was like let's work at us work from the bottom up and in the long run I think it'll it'll be better. And you, like I said earlier, you know the Grand Old Opry so well. You got accepted. Yes. And how was that? One of the things when I got here, I told I told my management, I said, I really want to play the Opry as much as I can. Because who do we try to play Opry? We asked several times, and you they did. all said no. Because we were a rock band, and we understood that. And, and But we really want, and we never got to play it. And so I really I told him, I want to play the Opry as much as I can. And that day, I'll never forget that day. I was, you know, you go, just another day at the Opry for me, which I love. It's always surreal out there, and I love it. And, you know, they, before I walked out, they said, uh, we're going to have a question and answer period after you, you know, in the middle of your set. And I, and I thought to myself, I've never seen that. That's never happened at the Opry. In the Opry. middle of the Opry? Yeah, I was like, that's never happened at the Opry, but if you guys want to do it, cool. Okay. So I get out there, and a lady gets up and asks me a question, and I ask it. And then another lady asks me a question, and I answer it, and then Brad Paisley stands up. And I thought, I thought, it was a practical joke because I thought I was like, "Does he owe me?" Because I think I might be one up on him, and I think he's. And I'm really sad. I'm thinking this is gonna be funny. Oh, that's, you're that's about what to I'm get thinking. got. I'm about to get got. <laughs> and when he said, uh, oh, "I'm getting emotional right now," oh. when he said, "That's awesome." Do you want to be a part of the Grand Ole Opry? That was huge. So what were the waves of emotion? Did oh, it was. Uh, it was like. And wow. how crazy because you toured with him. Yeah, and 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 he he at the time and still now he was probably my best friend in the business. Really? Yeah, you know, and we talk all the time and text all the time, and it was one of those things where, if they had asked me who I wanted to do that, it would have been Brad Paisley, and for him to be doing that, and for me to be becoming a member of the opera, that was just huge for me. That was huge. That was such a great day. 
could you believe at that moment what you had accomplished? No. Your work ethic and your determination. Yeah. Like you started over in a genre. You conquered rock. And you yeah. started over in a genre and now you're accepted into the most prestigious club in country music. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That's unbelievable. It was it was and it still is and it's it's one of those things where you know as I always tell my kids, you know, you got to work for it. And 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 that's 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 a just a great example of it because I think some people if they come if they were me and they'd come over the country they would come over with a different attitude like you know I've already proved myself I've sold thirty million records yeah you know come on you know you guys just need to play let me. me in play yeah. me you know but that wasn't who I was because these people didn't have to play me I mean I could have come and put out two records and not had a top twenty you had three number ones right off three the three number ones off the first record that was crazy so what were your first three number ones uh let me see uh, one was uh don't think I'll think about it. It one won't be like uh, this It won't be like this for long. And uh, the other one was uh, All, All right. right. Yeah. And then you also had History in the Making. History. That was on there, too, and that was the top five. Yeah, yeah. that was at number three. Yeah. So you basically had four number ones. Yeah. You came in, started at the bottom, got four number ones. Were you like, holy shit? Yes. I'm still like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know I mean? Seriously, for me, it's... I, when Don't Think I Went to Number One, it was like, are you... Because that's just not what... I just didn't... That wasn't what my thinking. I was thinking. I was really thinking. You know, let's get this. If we can get this into top twenty, maybe in the top ten, they'll let me make another record. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's great. I got somebody paying for my records. I don't have to make it myself. That's that's awesome. And that's what I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden, it gets to number one, and I'm like, oh, you know, you're you're freaking out. And then it's a two week number one, and you're oh my goodness. That's a two week number yeah, one. And then you know, then the other songs keep going up the charts, and all everything starts happening. And then you know, I get the Get the uh, Rascal Flats tour and there, and going out and doing that and yeah, it was it was a, it was a fun run. So you had th- three number ones. What drives you? What is your motto? Where does this come from? Like you said, where you're where you're from, yeah. hard work. But like, what is your? Do you just have like a vision board and you're like, I'm going to accomplish this? Um, I don't really not a vision board. It's more like it's more like once I decide I'm going to do it, you're going to. I'm, I'm going to. If I don't, it won't stop because I didn't work for it. Okay. You know, if I don't get something, if I'm, it's not going to be because I didn't work as hard as I could to get it. It's going to be just because I couldn't get it. But you gave everything you could. I gave everything. I, uh, it took a toll on my life. It took a toll on the home life because I was I was working so much. And we don't live here. But I had to be here all the time. You know, always coming to Nashville, always doing this. And, and it, was, uh, it was hard work, but, you know, now it's so worth it. Do you have to do music? I don't think so anymore. I did for a long time in my life. But, uh... You know, getting up there now. You know, it's, it's no Charles, way. Charles Kelly said the most perfect thing. It was it was years ago, a couple of years ago, when George Strait announced that he was going to retire, and jo- Charles and I are sitting around having a beer, and he says, oh, "Darius, you're the oldest guy in the format now." <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <goodness>. you're not. <laughs> I am. I don't think so. I am. Can't be. I am. I'm, I'm older than Tim McGraw. I'm older than I am. I'm the you oldest, look younger than everybody. I'm the oldest guy in the format, and that was funny. That was funny. Well, that's kind of nice. It was cool. You're the patriarch of country music. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I'm, I'm the granddad. <laughs> I'm the old dude in the corner with the wheelchair. <laughs> so after you did after you did history in the making, now you've done. Is this your fourth? You're on your yeah, fourth, fourth country. So you've yeah. almost had as long of a country career as you have yeah. of a rocker. Did you ever think that would happen? No, no. I, I, my goal was to get to the let me make two the second record. After you I, just wanted to pay for it. After I got my record deal, that's really what I told myself. Let's go work my butt off, and they'll let me make another record. Because I loved it. It was fun. I met Frank Rogers. I loved working with him. Things were great, you know. And he's and, your producer. Yeah. And so it was, It was when it all started, when when 
I told myself earlier when I wasn't going to get into the number. I didn't want to get into the numbers game because like what, when you're when you're watching charts and everything, oh. that sucks. It's, It'll drive you crazy because it, it they move so slow and you're watching the charts. So I told myself I wasn't going to get into that. And so you didn't. I didn't. And and so when I mean people had to have to come up to me and go, you know, you got a top ten record again. I was like, well, cool. Didn't know. You know, and I, I don't think I ever saw a number one. It was always somebody calling me going, we're number one this week. Cool. Do you set your expectations at zero? Like, um, you work hard, but do you have, or do you set your expectations? I think some, if, if it's a different situation, I think in this situation, I, I, I set my expectations, expectations so low because if you looked at the picture, it just seemed like to, 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 to want seven, eight number ones and say, I'm going to do this and have four number one records. That would have, that just didn't seem to be really feasible. Yeah. The the way this landscape of the whole, the whole plane was, it just didn't seem like feasible. So I just wanted to be a small part of the community. Let, you know, like you said, get somebody to pay for my records. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted. You just want to be on on a team. Yeah, absolutely. I want somebody to pay for my records, and and you know, it turned into more than that. So what's the difference between rock, the rock genre, and country? What's the vibe? Oh, the, the one thing about rock music, you can you can say. Anything, you know, rock and pop, you can say anything you want. It doesn't have to make sense. What do you mean? Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? My point exactly. Huge song. Who let the dogs out? Number one song. Huge song meant nothing. Didn't No meaning. In country music. That's really funny. In country music, you always have to have, a, your song has to have a story. It has to mean something. I, I mean, I listen to, even the songs that you think are just, you know, throwaway songs or songs that are or nothing because they're they're so popular. Whatever, if you listen to the words, the words are so great and the yeah. story is so great, and they're, t- they're talking about something, and I love that. And and you always hear about the fan loyalty, and I tell you, that's true. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable how loyal country music. Once they're with you, they're, they're with, with you. you. They're with you. I always say, pop and rock is always looking for the big the mm-hmm. new be- the next big thing. And country music wants the next big thing, but they also want that blanket that's on their bed that's been keeping them warm for three years. Yeah, you know, comfort so food I love that. feels yeah. good. I love that. Yeah. Who are your greatest? Com- who do you admire in country music? Oh, my biggest idol. Every time I open my mouth, I'm trying to be Randy Foster. No, no, no. Have y'all written yet? To be- yeah, we've written a few songs together. He's we've done some shows together. He's a friend, and he's that. He's a. He's such a. He's when you talk about meeting a guy and him being the way you want him to be, Randy Foster. Was the way I wanted him to be. He How did was, you want him to be? He was the nicest human being, so so humble. And the first time we met, I told the story. I told him the story, and uh, he, I, I went to see him play when he was in Foster and Lloyd in this club. Mm-hmm. And uh, I showed up late because I, had to, I, I was working re- selling records, and I had to close the store down. I showed up, and I missed about three songs, three four songs. And and I get there, and of course, you know, this bar's packed. I'm the only black guy in the bar, and you know, I, I make my way up to the front. And I'm, I mean, I get there late, and I make my way up to the front because it's Foster and Lloyd, and I ain't missing it. Right. And I'm up there, and so about after about ten songs, I'm starting to get a little buzz, you know, and I start yelling, you know, play, you can come crying to me, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're ignoring me, and <laughs> so they go away, and they do, they do, they're coming back for the encore, and when I come back for the encore, sure, there's that jerk again in the front row, you know, play, you can come crying to me. So Radney. Being a nice guy, he just looked over at me and said, hey, man, I, I think you came in kind of late because, you know, we, we play that early in the show. And I looked at him and said, hey, man, I'm the only black dude in this place. And you mean to tell me you can't play the one song I'm asking you to play? And Bill looks at him and goes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and they played it again. They did. Yeah. and uh, So you finally made him hear I told, you. I told him that story, and he, could, he couldn't believe that was me. He was oh, like, that was you? 
He didn't like, know it was oh, you. Oh, he said I told that story a million times. I didn't know that was you. He I was had like, no idea it was that you. That was me. Yeah, he had no idea that was me. Had y'all, yeah. y'all hadn't met yet. Well, we had, no, we had met. Well, I hadn't made it. I mean, and Hootie hadn't made it at this time. We oh, were still a club band at the time. This when was all this when you happened. were clubbing. Yeah, it. we were clubbing it when when all that went down. And so he was like, "Wow, I can't believe that was you." I've told that story a million times. I was like, "Dude, that was me." Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Well, I mean, that comes back around. Absolutely. And that's kind of interesting that Radney Foster is the one you pick because he's more obscure. He's yeah. not like mainstream country. So I think that was. Do you like that kind of? Yeah, vibe? I think my the people I love. I mean, I, I don't mind. I like mainstream. Not I don't mind. That's I like mainstream country. Yeah. But, but the guys that I love. I, I love, I love it. Nancy Griffith. Oh. Uh, I love uh, Dwight Yoakam. I love Radney, Foster and Lloyd. You know those Doc Watson country records, like the Portrait and stuff like that. Those are the records that I love. I just when I was just engulfed in that stuff, I wasn't listening to a lot of country radio because I was listening to all those records. You, you're a lyric guy. Yeah, always. What do you like to write about? Oh, I like to write about everything. Uh, you know, it seems like in the first records, it was all, I was always writing about life, you know, my life and what was going on. And, uh, you know, later on, you just start, then you write about stuff that happened before or where you are now. But I just, I just like to write. As long as the lyric is good, I like to write it. And then you cut an outside song that was massive. <laughs> yeah. Which I had always loved Wagon Wheel. Yeah. I had too, but I never thought about cutting it. How'd you, how'd that come about? Oh, this is a cool story. I was, uh, my oldest daughter, Carrie, she was uh, in, a, in a high school uh, talent show, and so I went to see it, and I was in the middle of making my record, and I went to see it, and I'm sitting there, and uh, the faculty band, I'm talking about two janitors and like four teachers get up, they're and they're, a they're a band, and they, st- <laughs> and, they, and they start playing Wagon Wheel, and they're playing it really country with drums and everything, and I'm sitting there going, I never heard Wagon Wheel like that. I always thought it was such a bluegrass song. I yeah. never heard it country, and they're playing it, and in the middle of the second verse, I'm texting my uh, I'm texting Frank Rogers, my producer, going, dude, you remember that Wagon Wheel song? He's like, yeah, you know, I don't think we should cut it. A lot of people cut it. And I said, dude, it's we're cutting it. cut all the way. I said, like, we're cutting it. And we cut it, and it, it, that, that thing took a whole. And it, when we put Lady A on it, is when I, when we first cut it, I went, cool, great, last song on the record. It'll be awesome. Never thought it'd be a single. And then we put Lady A on it, and it just went to a new level. Okay. Yeah. So was that one of your biggest songs? That was a big song I've had in country music. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, what else? You've been married to the same woman, Beth. Yes. She's beautiful. She's awesome. You have given me some marriage advice. Do you have <laughs> any marriage advice? Like how? Because she's been through the whole Hooting the Bullfish she's, days. She's been, we've been together 17 years. How, what is the secret? Um, you got, first of course, love is a secret, is one of the secrets, but you have to make time each other and I mean when for us so you know how it is when you we're on the road so much and now when you have kids it's not like she can just pack right. them on the road with me when their kids got school and everything so we gotta make time for each other I, I think our secret is we've both just decided that we're gonna stay together yeah I mean I'm sure if, if you asked both of us we could say yeah we've both given each other reasons we could leave yeah. or we can you know but we've decided to stay together and and it's a commitment, and we, it's a commitment. We, and we work we work on our marriage it's not easy I'm, yeah. by any stretch of imagination people who don't work on their marriage you have to work on your marriage like anything else absolutely yeah absolutely and i think that's and and i think for me it took me a, lo- a while to get that because i'm a dude you know and, and i thought i'm providing I'm, everything's good you know we have a great life you know and and no we had to make it a great life it's, it's not be great just because we can live wherever we want and go wherever we want. It's got to be great because I want to talk to you. You know, yeah. I want to go sit on the beach and have a conversation. I want to go sit on the back porch and have a conversation. Yeah. And that's, those are the things that, are, that that keep it together. I love that. Yeah. So I'm looking at your watch. Mm-hmm. You get my husband and a yes. thousand horses. First off, 
Graham, and you have a little yeah, Graham's bromance. A, Graham's my bro. <laughs> He's the bass player in Thousand Horses. Yep, the most important member of the band. Yes. He is. <laughs> <laughs> like the last night of tour when they toured the All Last Year, Darius yeah. is like, here's the band of Thousand Horses, and here's Graham. Graham! <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Graham. <laughs> the only one that matters. <laughs> you actually, y'all have such a bromance. You bought him some shoes. Yeah. He wears those things with so much pride. Yeah. Because they're, they're beautiful. Yeah. The, I, I have this great company called Old, Old Star out in California that makes that hand makes these and I remember we were hanging out with the horses this one day just got there you know deal. they love you so much oh I know I love them too is I it mean, a mutual love fest? absolutely they, that's why I, I was so disappointed when the tour ended last year because I knew we had been on tour for almost two years together yeah and you know they were my boys yeah and you know and I'm so you proud of them, them. I'm so proud of them I'm so proud of them they're doing great I love those guys they are yeah, but so you got Graham's and boots yeah and, and it was this thing where I started and I started with Graham I started it with Graham the first guy in the band who mentioned my boots, I gave him a pair. Oh. And so Graham was the first guy who said, uh, hey, man, I love your boots. I was like, you love my boots? What size you are? What size you wear? And he told me, and I don't think he thought I was serious. And no. then the next time I saw him, I walked up and said, here, man, here's your boots. And that's now a ritual with me. Like really? With, with Dan and Che, the first one of those guys to go, hey, man, I love your boots. They're going to get a pair of boots. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up because I know you got to go do the Grand Ole Opry. Yes. But... I like to end each episode with a little segment called Leave Your Light. Okay. So, like, leave me some inspiration. Um, leave you some, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking around at the world and everything that's happened. I was talking about this last night. So many, so many disasters and so many bad things happen. And, you know, I just, I just, I think the more you can be nice or be good to one person at a time, the better the world is going to be. Uh, there's so many people go through life, go through a day not once doing something nice for somebody else. And I think every day, try to do one good thing. If it's just, you know, if it's just shake somebody's hand or, or pat somebody in the back or, or, you know, ask somebody, you know, you have a good day today, do something nice for somebody every day, at least once. I love that. Well, you actually have a <laughs> reputation of being one of the nicest men in country music. Oh, well, well thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Darius. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Bye. Caroline, she's the queen of talking. Hey, what's on your mind? She's on the inside. She got the scoop on the Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I hope you loved hearing from Darius Rucker. His story is so inspiring, and he's such a hard worker. He's done so many amazing things, but he's definitely busted his ass doing it. And I hope that his story has put some inspiration in your life and gotten you hyper about your own dreams. And I hope you get out there and chase them. Our next guest next week is Fancy, and he is hilarious, fantastic, fabulous, fearless, everything you can imagine from someone named Fancy. And we laughed our asses off. It was probably one of the funniest interviews I've ever done. We almost got eaten alive by a spider. You don't want to miss it. Tune in next Wednesday for Who is Fancy? And tune in every Wednesday from here on out to the end of time because I will be having a new podcast every Wednesday. And don't forget to subscribe to Hyper Caroline Hobby. Bye, y'all.